Hello, all. Time to answer my next question from listeners. Actually, two questions this time. And a reminder, if you have any questions about living sustainably, leadership, leadership to live sustainably, things like that, go to joshuaspodrick.com. In the upper right corner, there's click to contact connect and ask me a question. Happy to answer, especially if it helps you live and embrace living joyfully sustainably. All right, the first question. Have you tried making home yogurt from plant milk and friendly bacteria? I guess you'd want non-packaged options like made from almonds or coconut, although homemade soy milk is possible with some work. And then the listener continues, using my yogurt maker is one way I've tried to reduce packaging. And continues, likewise, have you tried to make vegan cheese? I've not yet tried to make soy yogurt or plant-made yogurt. I do have a soy milk maker, which I bought used off of Craigslist for 15 bucks. I haven't used it since unplugging from the apartment from the, the grid, but it's super easy to use. I just take soybeans. Actually, I can use any nuts. What other beans? I think I can use chickpeas. I forget what other things I can use, but this very all-purpose thing. I just put them in this little container, add water, plug it in, and something like 15 to 20 minutes later, it makes soy milk. And I don't have to buy soy milk from other places. Anyway, back to making yogurt. So I have not tried to make yogurt, but I ferment a lot. That's been a major change since going off grid. Actually, since well before that, since I first made sauerkraut, I think, since unplugging the fridge. I used to think fermenting was a scary biological experiment. I thought if I did it wrong, what if you know I got gangrene or something, not gangrene, botulism or something like that. And then I started learning that I didn't need to measure the salt that accurately, and things came out just fine. Or if I'm making vinegar, all I have to do is chop up apples, put it in water, and let it sit. Now, since I've had a bunch going, I have these things called SCOBIs. What's that stand for? Self-contained organism of bacteria and yeast? I forget. No. So, anyway, look at what SCOBI stands for. But it's, it's, it's the bacteria and yeast that make the flavor that particular flavor. I could use different ones. And it might, anyway, I just have one leads to the next, and I keep them going. And it's very easy. I mean, really easy. I don't even think about it. I could chop up the, I can make vinegar while talking to people on the phone. Also, when I get home from shopping, I look at what of the vegetables that I have, because I'm buying stuff that's in season or getting stuff from the CSA that's, you know, whatever comes that time. And I have to look. Some things I know I'm not going to get to pretty soon, so I got to ferment those. So some kale or whatever greens, whatever vegetables, if I am not going to get to it right away, I think I better ferment that. So I chop it up, throw a little salt on it, put it in a jar, and let it sit for a couple of weeks. And actually, I have some kale on my counter right now in a jar it's been there several months and it's exactly the same as it was before it reaches a certain level of fermentation i take a bit out and i'm like oh well it gets a little more flavor i got tons of chutneys going actually i can't go without chutney now i really started liking it so when fruit starts to get if it's on my counter i'm not going to eat it in time then i just start chopping it up i put a little salt on it a friend of mine came over who's american and I said, try this chutney. And he took one bite. And he was like, ah, this is too bitter. He didn't like it. Then a friend, an Indian friend visiting from India came. And I said, try this chutney. And he, take, he took a bite. And he was like, oh, this is really good. So I guess it's more authentic. And then he started telling me about how to do it more Indian style. He said, ferment it in the sunlight. And what was the other thing? He was, starting, he was suggesting herbs and spices to put in. So vinegar I make, I, I think I mentioned. And also kombucha. I used to take little sips of it, but now I start really liking it. And people come over and I serve it to them. If I want to make a really strong vinegar, I put in a lot more sugar because I have some sugar that some um, neighbor was moving out and I just got a container of sugar. And I don't know if you know this, when you put sugar in, the bacteria and then the yeast 
eat it all up. So it, it what comes in a sugar ends up as um, acetic acid in the end. Or kombucha, if I'm eating in the middle stages, it's alcohol. So I can make it put in a lot of sugar and make it very strong or put in less sugar and make it more drinkable. To make yogurt, I would need someone to give me uh, a container of soy yogurt with active culture in it because I'm not going to buy the container and I'm not going to use um, dairy yogurt to start. I have in my life made, when I ate dairy, I have... Oh, this is funny. When I lived in France, the heater in my apartment would never turn off. So it was always kind of warm. And then I realized if I put yogurt and milk on in a pot on that, it kept it at a pretty good temperature and make yogurt like overnight. So I have made yogurt and I expect at some point I'll do that with soy milk or some non-dairy milk. I just haven't had someone come over who happened to have some active culture yogurt at the time. Now, speaking of milks, I now view, or dairy milks, non-dairy milks, I view all of those packaged milks, I view them like bottled water. Oat milk, soy milk, I used to get tons of that stuff. But now I look at that like bottled water, except bottled water usually has really thin containers of um, single-use plastic. But those things are often in the really rigid containers. Transporting water is crazy. And those soy milks are mostly transporting water. You can transport just the soybeans or even just powders, as I'll get to in a second. We don't need to transport soy milk, oat milk. That's just transporting water. It's a lot of fuel plus a lot of packaging. It's single-use packaging and is more polluting than simple plastic water bottles. I just mix grain and legume flours that I get from the bulk food store. So that could be okara, which is the soy powder made from, I don't know, some soy process. I think it, it's the output when uh, we make tofu. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's, I think... I think high in protein and high in fiber. I get buckwheat flour. I get chickpea flour. I get defatted peanut flour, even wheat gluten. These things can make like a milk. So when I have cereal, I put in water plus a bit of those flours, and they're really good. And transporting flours is nothing compared to transporting water. It's whole grains. It costs nothing in comparison to soy milks and so forth. These things don't go bad. They pollute but a tiny fraction. And most of all, they taste great. I often not just make milks when I put them in cereal, but I often thicken it up to make something more like a pudding or porridge with fruit and nuts added. All right, as for vegan cheese, I haven't made vegan cheese yet, which would involve fermenting it, but I probably will at some point, but I have made a vegan pate that I love, and it was really easy. I've done it many times in many different ways, but basically I take cashews. Sometimes I soak them overnight beforehand to soften them up. A bit of water. Maybe a little uh, little um, soy sauce or tamari, a bunch of nutritional yeast, and salt. And if I feel like it, I'll add some herbs. If I feel like adding oregano or basil or lots of different things. And I could use cashews, but I could always use walnuts. I can use um, lots of different nuts. And I don't even measure them except I put the stuff in, oh, sometimes some pepper. And I just put them in and grind, uh, put them in a food processor and grind until it seems like a good consistency and the flavor is really good. And that mix of my favorite is cashews, a bit of water, nutritional yeast and salt. Just that it's really good. I can use other nuts, but cashews work best. I once made some and brought it to a party that was like a potluck. This is pre pandemic. And I didn't tell anyone what it was. I just stuck the bowl out with this pate in it and it disappeared really fast. And no one was like, Oh, is this nutritional and so forth? It was really good. So nutritional yeast, cashews, Maybe soak the cashews a bit, add a little salt, add a little pepper, but that is really good. Come to think of it, I haven't made it in a while, so I might make it. All right, next question. 
if you didn't work at NYU, what would be your dream job? Well, I work at NYU as an adjunct professor. That is not that doesn't pay the bills. It's something that I love teaching. I love learning from my students and seeing my students learn. And it's different when I teach undergrads, leadership or entrepreneurship versus seasoned adults. Very different stuff that they learn because I teach, I believe I teach a, a good quality project-based learning course. The transformations that people go through are really, it's great to see. But I wouldn't call that my job. I pay my bills mainly through leadership coaching and I'm trying to transition that over to sustainability leadership coaching, but it's mainly coaching executives and sometimes some people earlier in their careers to reach higher levels to, to the social and emotional skills of leadership. If I didn't do those things, well, I'm driven by my mission to change culture so that people stop seeing living sustainably as deprivation and sacrifice and a burden and a chore and risking returning to the Stone Age or some Mad Max dystopia. I wanted, my mission is to change culture so that people embrace living sustainably and expect that the more sustainably they live, the more that they'll enjoy their life. So I only, work, I only want to work on things furthering that mission. I mean, I would like to live in a world where we weren't wrecking Earth's ability to sustain life and we didn't have a culture that looked at living sustainably as a burden and a chore and deprivation and sacrifice. I'd rather live in a different world than that, but I live in this world. And as long as I live in this world, that we're lowering Earth's ability to sustain life, my mission is to change culture, to embrace living sustainably. So I like leading corporate workshops. I like leading coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives and with politicians and other influential people. I want to keep doing more of those things. So that's different than NYU. So I would definitely like leading more corporate workshops, doing more one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives and politicians and influential people who want to become role models to sustainability leadership. Not just now it's leadership, leadership, but sustainability leadership. Also furthering the mission, I mean, I'm working on my next book. So writing books, hopefully you've seen my TEDx talks. If not, go to joshuaspodark.com slash TEDx. I definitely like public speaking. It's harrowing and difficult, but I like it. One of my biggest strategies also, speaking of work, is to decrease my costs. So I don't know if needing less counts the same as earning more, but I feel like business leaders, I think they get this point better than most. Increasing profitability comes, I mean, you can do it from raising the top line, but lowering your costs is generally more effective than increasing your revenues. Both are important, but also great thinkers throughout history have promoted needing less over accumulating more. Even if, well, today in global culture in 2022, we really value the opposite. It's not prevalent to need less, to consume less. So I don't know if that counts as a job, needing less. But I've reduced my needs a lot. But that leads to me favoring. I have more time because I don't have to work as much. So that leads to things like volunteering and stuff like that. People who know me know I coached attraction too. So I like coaching attraction. Our society teaches women how to attract men. At least it seems like the way to me when I go through the checkout aisle in a supermarket. Well, I haven't done that in a while. But when I did, there are lots of magazines there about how, for women how to be attractive. Not so much for men. Mostly the message I got and a lot of men would tell me when they got coaching from me was there's a prevalent message was get a good job, get a good house, get a good car, and left the social and emotional skills out. Who wants to be seen as an ATM to a spouse? That, that's what a lot of men learn. What, a, what I should be more clear, what society teaches a lot of men. Then it calls them toxic when they lack the social and emotional skills and intimacy to make a relationship work. I definitely like coaching attraction. I'd rather live in a world where men grew up where we taught men social and emotional skills, but we don't live in that world, so I definitely like that. Now, all of these things are fixing problems, 
that I'd rather live in a world without all these problems. If I lived in a world without all these problems, like a culture that has abandoned do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that has abandoned live and let live, that has abandoned leave it better than you found it, in favor of what do we have instead of those things? Capitulation, resignation, abdication. If we lived in a world where we didn't treat men like they were toxic and treating helping them like it was bad, I would far prefer, you know, exploring beauty and self-expression. What I mean by beauty, my original passion for physics, physics is a study of nature at its most basic level. That passion for physics arose from learning more about nature and finding the beauty in it. I can't express the beauty that I found in, I mean, most people see complicated equations that, you know, look very, they look Greek to them, but the beauty, the symmetry, understanding what's going on at deeper and deeper levels was really beautiful. And I would love to do more physics. You know, since stopping doing physics, there's lots of other areas in science and nature that I would like. And the more I learn about indigenous cultures, I see that they wouldn't be scientists in the sense that we describe science of, of doing the scientific method, but the understanding that indigenous traditional cultures have of nature seems to me science, and I would like that a lot more. As for self-expression, I took acting classes. Hopefully people know that. And I've, I've practiced singing enough to know I would love both of those. I'm not a great singer, but I've done it enough, and I've done enough acting. You know, I got to this, the point where I, I, I cried on stage deliberately from using the, the technique that I learned. And this was really a fantastic experience. I would love to do stuff like that. You know, one of the things I see in indigenous cultures like the San, the Hadza, basically all of them that I, that I know so far, which is a very small fraction of what are around today, and a, a, a tiny, tiny fraction of the myriad, uncountable number of, of cultures that lived before we've, the culture that you and I are in now wiped them out. But what I love about learning more about them is, is seeing how much art and culture is a part of their lives. What we get today in, say, superhero movies, past cultures, as best I can tell, they seem to have gotten from storytelling the Iliad around the campfire, singing, dancing, cooking food together. We have become so passive. We just want things served to us. But we could perform arts and sports. Instead, I have to help us stop extracting oil as fast as humanly possible or cobalt for Tesla batteries as fast as we can send children into the mines to dig that stuff up and try to help people see that flying tears communities and families apart. I would love just at least a big part of my life to, have, to tend a small garden, to perform plays with neighbors, to play and sing music. If I were younger, to play more sports, things like that. That's what I'd really like to do. And that's a vision that I have for the future. Not only self-expression and culture and music and singing, but a lot more than we have now. You know, sports replacing watching sports on TV or playing video games, actually going out there and doing stuff in the sunshine on the fields. Because it's grounded in roughly 300,000 years of our past, I'm not saying that people were living as noble savages. I'm not saying that it was peace all over the place. But from what I learned of how people live in cultures that don't pollute, they really enjoy their lives. I mean, they look at us and they understand our culture and they don't want to live like us. So yeah, I'd love to garden, perform plays, sing, dance. That's what people did before. Of course, that means collecting my food and things like that. But I think a simple life like that, I would really like.